Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 165. Had a bit of a break. The last episode you would have seen was the Christmas special, um, poorly released on the 26th of December, which, as we all know, is not Christmas. Um, That episode was kind of two things, a bit of a roundup of the year, but also people kind of wanted to hear about by Nuffield. And um, my co-host, Ed, kind of the idea of, well, why don't we do a yearly episode with you? And I was like, yes, I would love to ruin my viewers' day. So that sounds like a great way to finish the year. Um, so we did that. We did a roundup of the year. Um, and yeah, a chat about my year last year, which was relatively normal until August. And then I took 17 flights in 94 days. Uh, I was in nine countries, one of which was war-torn, one of which was uh, we had Tanzania or Rwanda, Ukraine, Poland, Germany, Holland, Qatar, Dubai, the States, went to Shetland and then ended up with Nuffield. So people want to hear that story. So if you want to go hear my story, it's over there. Didn't shut up for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, and yeah, a wee bit more information about the year. Uh, just before we get into this episode and the next episode, I'll just do a quick sum up of, of sort of last year. This is the first episode of series four back in July 2020. I phoned Flavian Obiero and said, you all right, mate? Do you mind if I speak to you for an hour and write a story about you and put you on, put it on Facebook? To this day, we're really good friends and I wrote a thousand word essay about him for 26 weeks, continued to do that until the end of 2020. I then got bored of typing when I was also marking 3,000 word essays in the day job and then started filming episodes of the podcast in January 2021. Um, since between January 2021 and the start of January 2023, we'd filmed 73 episodes. And since January 2023, so the last year, we have filmed a total of 91. So, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know if I'm going to ramp it up anymore. I don't, I don't know if there's time in it. I don't know if Yasmin would be happy with me being like, two more days of the week, I'm no longer available. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And at the minute, it probably won't be happening for, for, the, for the foreseeable anyway. Um, but, yeah, thank you for all the support. It really has... It's created a, a business for me. It's created so many opportunities and yeah, it's it's been good. So on to another year. I want to release a hundred episodes this year, which is not a difficult task at all. Um well I've I've already created a bit of a difficult task already missing two two slots by releasing this a week late. But I wanted a couple of weeks off. I wanted to give you guys that are really devout followers, which nine hundred and seventy-four of you, I'm in your top ten, and three hundred and eighty-five, I'm in your top one. Top one, I am your top one podcast. So for that almost four hundred people, I'm sorry that your life is that mundane and uh, that you listen to this every single week with me. Um, but I'm guessing that you come on for the guests. Uh, and moving on to the guests, um, the next episode we'll have, the second episode of uh, uh, Series 2, will be with Cormac White, who is one of the Nuffield Scholars. Um, uh, we'll wait for the next episode to find what that's, out about, what that's about. Um, but today, in the first episode of Series 4, is with Amy Stoner. Amy is also one of uh, my Nuffield cohort this year. Um, and yeah, we must be getting through. It must be about over halfway now with, with all the uh, the Nuffield scholars to, to share all their stories and whatnot. But today's is Amy Stoner. So Amy, would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. How are you getting on? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. 
They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. It's a, it's, we just said off camera, and I think I've said it to everyone, like, we met all of you guys, <laughs> but barely spoke to anyone because you're either watching a speech or you were you were speaking to 58 people at the same time. Um, so I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts because you actually sit down and really, really get to know know folk. Um, but just just for, for the viewers, Amy, give us give us a wee bit of background about you. I always quite like to hear, you know, what's what's someone's backstory like. What was what was Amy Stoner as a kid wanting to do when she was older? <laughs> yeah, so um, I grew up in Oxfordshire and um, basically I've always had a passion for food. So I kind of started Young Farmers, like Young Farmers cookery competitions, uh, worked in my local village pub as a waitress. Um, and then, yeah, just loved that kind of thing, like earning a bit of extra money waitressing um, and studied GCSE food tech and then um, A-level food. So I was like kind of knew I wanted to be do something with food, but not really sure what. Um, and then also I set up my own business when I was younger running um, children's cookery parties. So um, just kind of wanted to get a bit of extra money on the side. I was like, what can I do? Kind of enjoyed like cooking and that kind of thing. So decided to do that. Um, and then that kind of led me on um, from doing food at GCSE and then A-level to going to Harper Adams, um, where I studied food and nutrition um, and then within that we did a placement year and then after that I stayed on and did a master's in food industry management. After all five years at uni I decided I need to get away so I went to Australia um, and stayed over there for two years, was over there during Covid as well and then um, yeah basically came back, um, got a job working for Samoth Brothers which is where I work now and been there ever since so yeah that's a Brief summary. <laughs> Whistle stop tour. We'll, we'll we'll pick up some of that and we'll uh, we'll not end the episode here. Of like, you've been through everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, you know. First off, I think I always quite like to you know uh, up here in Scotland. I'm vice chair of communications and marketing for SAYFC, so just a Scottish strand of young farmers. What was your young farmers club? Yeah, so I went to Farringdon Young Farmers Club, which was in Oxfordshire. So I kind of got into it through my best friend. So she's from a farm. Um, my family's not from a farming background. She was like, oh, you should come along. And I was like, okay. And then just like started off, I think I went when I was like 14, um, just do a couple of the junior ones. And at the time, I think we were separated to like juniors and seniors. Um, so yeah, just loved it. Like the competitions, like different events um and then I think when the club kind of you know when it gets to that age where you have don't have enough people that are old enough so it kind of like falls apart a little bit so yeah then that kind of happened when I was at university like yeah at uni but then a group of us like were like oh no we want to you know get this back up and running so um yeah it kind of picked back up again got back involved and yeah loved it and then yeah. Oh, I was going to say, are you still involved? Sorry, that's what was... No, so, well, when I got back from Australia, so we moved to a different place. So I'm now living in Rutland. Um, but I we wanted to get back involved in Young Farmers just because I find it such a great way to meet people. Because, like, we literally moved, didn't know anyone, literally kind of put a finger on a map, right, that is, that's where we're going to live because it's close to work. And just joined the local Young Farmers Club and, yeah, got involved for a year there and then 
last year I was um, secretary of Open Young Farmers. Right. Um, so yeah, was involved that way, um, helping out, organizing different fundraising events. So I organized a quiz night, like raising money for charity and for the club. Um, so yeah, like really fun. But now I've reached the age where I'm too old for young farmers. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's funny, you know, like when I when I moved to this area, young farmers would never a thing I'd done before. Well, I had, but not really. Um, and I joined, and it just. I just suddenly felt part of a family. I thought it would have been, I would probably be fine at meeting friends and stuff like that, but it just throws you into this place to meet loads. It's great. Um, yeah, I've only got maybe a year, maybe left. <laughs> yeah. a, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's great fun. The, the, I mean, the, the cooking side of Young Farmers, I've never done the cooking side because I, I literally joined last year. But what I did do was I compared the 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 national finals at the Highland Show, right? And I, I would class myself as a good cook. Like, I'm, I'm a trained cook. I used to work in a kitchen and stuff like that. And uh, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how they made something. Someone made this cake, right? It was a raspberry cake. And it... The way it rised, it almost went out. I don't know what it done, but I, I was like, this looks pretty. And I don't know how you've done it. I just make nice food that looks rubbish. But uh, this was a nice food that looked somehow better, uh, which was quite cool. But it was good fun. Um, your kid's co cooking business thing. That So you said, oh, you know, what's a way to try and make some more money? Never in a month of Sundays have I heard someone say, do you know what's a good way? <laughs> how did that come about? <laughs> So basically, I live like in uh, where my parents live. It's just a little village, and we literally just had the pub. And um, I think it was before I'd started started um, working at the pub. I was like, "What can I do?" Like, I, I think I was at the age, you know, where you're like fourteen, fifteen, like a bit too young. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, I want to, I want to do this." And so basically, what I did was, um, like, I think it was my English teacher at the time was like, "Oh yeah, my children want to do something like that." You know, when like parents are like, "What can we do each year?" Like. For a child's birthday party so I just bought a load of mini like bowls spoons spatulas so we've actually still got some in our house now and there's like a mini wooden spoon a mini a mini um mixing bowl just because I was like I actually need a mixing bowl like I'm just gonna grab one out <laughs> um and yeah what I do is I prepare so it'd be like um muffins and cookies and so I pre-weigh out all of the ingredients like the day the night before um so all the kids have to do is like get a little bowl pour in you know like the dry ingredients they can crack an egg mix it and then it would go in the oven um and then when it came out they could just decorate them there was a lot of washing up involved that was the kind of the parents job <laughs> but yeah it's just a bit different like it wasn't didn't make me loads of money but you know it's just like a nice little thing to do on the side I really enjoyed it um yeah and the kids loved it so good fun that, that is really cool and you know in 165 episodes never something we've came across and i'm quite certain we can get to another 165 episodes and never come across it again <laughs> That's yeah, a one. yeah. i even can... did my own oh sorry no on you go on you go i was gonna say i did my own marketing you know like back in the day of business cards where you could get like 160 or whatever printed so it's like little chef kids cookery parties um yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember making those business cards once, but I, I you're so much more professional than mine. Mine were professionally done. Was it Vista Print? Is that the Yeah, yeah, Vista, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh mine just say Wallace Curry dishwasher. 
<laughs> like, I mean, I don't think I gave them out. Uh, <laughs> I think mum and dad have probably got the 158. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh God. Oh, that's brilliant. That's actually really cool. And it's something that, um, you know, it's one of those things that probably, it, had you stayed in the area for a while and committed to that, maybe there wasn't enough people. But it's the sort of thing could actually grow in, I would assume, because there's a lot of need for that sort of thing. And people don't want to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on these things because can expensive for a kid's party and all you want is just them to have fun you know but uh, oh no brilliant that's a good one one i didn't expect to come across <laughs> your, your uni is interesting to me because my undergraduate was agriculture and my postgraduate was food security so obviously your topic as we come into nuffield is going to be be quite cool with food security because it's literally in the title but food as you said from when you were young when you were young when you were getting those sort of early sunday jobs and stuff like that the theme was food um, and that continued into university, which is quite uncommon. You know, quite often hear that the common one is so many people want to be a vet or work with horses. That's the two I always see. And they get to that stage where they've actually got to do it, and they're like, mm, <laughs> not sure I'm going to do it. It's, it's quite rare to go from young, young, like you were, and then, <laughs> like the rest of us weren't. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't start as a child. I'm Benjamin Walt Curry. Uh, but anyway, yeah move up and then actually progress into what you're doing so yeah tell us tell us about choosing uni was that was that choice what you really wanted to do from day one or was there a few options in there no I think for me I just really enjoyed food so I wanted I knew I wanted to do something at uni like that but didn't know exactly what I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors Howden Rural the new name for A Plan Rural Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. I went to unis, um, I went like all the way to Birmingham, Cardiff. Um, but yeah, then Harper Adams, like my food teacher actually said, oh, have you heard about them? And I hadn't at the time. Um, kind of free young farmers like, you know like here but you don't really like look into it that much and then um I wanted because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to have a broad course that gave me like lots of different options covered lots of different topics um and I didn't want it to be too sciencey um as well so yeah when I basically I think that weekend it was like you know when you go around unis and you're like which ones do I want to go to the morning I actually went to Birmingham Uni and my parents met at Aston University in like in Birmingham. And so they were going around like, oh my God, look, it's amazing. It's changed so much. And I was like, no, no, this isn't <laughs> me. I don't want to go here. And so we ended up like sacking off that tour and kind of went um just up to Shropshire because we were combining it in the weekend. And um my parents like drove me to the campus and they were like, and I was just like, yeah, this feels right. You know, you get that feeling like, yeah, this is where I want to go. Um, and yeah, the food course there, they did um, a range of different modules. So quite broad. So you had like food marketing, you had food science, nutrition, um, food quality management systems. So like a range of subjects. And I was like, yeah, this is perfect. And then the placement year as well, just because that year in industry, it's just so valuable. Um, and it's something that employers really look for as well. So that's kind of how I decided um, on Harper. And really, it's a big young farmers club. So yeah, it, it seems to be. Yeah, it really seems to be. I've had a few folk on um, that went to Harper. When, when were you at Harper? Um, so I went there 2014. Yeah, yeah. Graduated right. from my BSc in 
2018 and then stayed on for my master's so to finish 2019. Aye, so we were at uni at the exact same time. No, I wasn't a Harper, but uh, yeah. yeah, the uh, you're just ahead of someone I knew that, that went, but um, it's the placement thing's an interesting one because we're just rewriting our agricultural qualification up here in Scotland and it's integrating a placement which it hasn't done since my parents were there. And I think it's going to be really good. <laughs> I think we really missed that, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, that sounds good. And what, what about food nutrition? You know, uh, yeah, human nutrition. Was that a, a an interest to you at first? Because it's a thing that I knew nothing about. I mean, genuinely nothing. I could barely tell you the difference between a carbohydrate and a fat, you know. And now I'm really interested in it, like really interested in it from a personal perspective and just understanding it. Was Did you see yourself working on that at any point? Um. I don't know. I wasn't really sure. Like, um, I know I didn't think I wanted to do dietetics or anything like that because that's very sciencey, um, and I just yeah didn't want to go down that route. But no, to be fair, when I was going through, I was very open to lots of different options. Um, the nutrition module, I think it was early, maybe in our first or second year. So again, it was just like, yeah, no, I don't. I, yeah, I didn't have a clear kind of what exactly I wanted to do. <laughs> And then after after the four years, you obviously made a decision and went for food industry management. Is that what you said? Yeah, food industry management. Yeah. So, um, well, basically, I guess, first of all, like from our placement year. So um, I did a bit of a different thing that most people do because most people do like a year working. But mm. I only did six months working. Um, and then I went to Cornell in America for six months um, just because Harper had this like link. So basically I could be an international student and go over there for six months, which I thought would be quite a good opportunity. So yeah, worked for six months at Marshfield Bakery, which is now Grace. So, you know, the mini sna- snacking flapjacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I used to work there. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's quite so cool. cool. Yeah. And then um, went over to America for six months and basically studied um, food science related subjects or food basically. Um, and then, travel around America for a little bit as well at the end and yeah and I think what was Cornell like yeah very different to Harper um yes obviously it's one of the Ivy League universities in America um but no like really good and like there was a good group of international students so um made so many friends from all over um all over the world and just yeah just it was it was good just to see kind of how it worked over there like I went to America I went to frat party like <laughs> yeah it's crazy I, I was going to mention the Ivy League thing the school's quite interested me I, I America wasn't in my original Nuffield plan but I feel like it has to be in some ways I didn't want to do the same thing was basically my reason um but I, yeah quite interested I think we had this discussion quickly talking that ours were similar but um was a frat party like it looks on tv and films so so american you know the red cups beer pong everyone just i actually um yeah i had like everyone just kind of leaves their coats in the cloakroom and for some reason i decided it was a good idea to leave my keys and everything in my coat and that night my coat got stolen and it was a bit of a nightmare but um it was good fun good fun very Jeez, american that like, is not fun <laughs> just like the things. yeah just like uh, what's the one with a uh... Seth Rogen and Thingy Franco, um, oh, I'm not sure. bad neighbors, bad neighbors. I think. Oh, I think it's someone. Oh. I, I, I'm terrible at films. I remember watching a lot of frat parties with some of them in it. But um, yeah, America would be an experience. That'd be brilliant. 
Um, yeah, so what I'm really interested in, uh, and I think I'm interested in it because I've done quite a lot in quite a small period of time like you, and there's one thing, I wouldn't say it's a regret, but I think if there's one thing I kind of wish I'd done, it would have been doing the... I did a harvest, but like going somewhere big to do a harvest. Uh, mine was Essex, which was big compared to the Isle of Arran, don't get me wrong, but um, Australia is up there. Uh, what 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 made you do that? Did you just, just think, this is what I want to do for the next year, see what happens, or, yeah, how did that come about? Yeah, so I guess after doing a Masters and then five years at uni, I was like, yeah, definitely want to go travelling. Like, I think, yeah, just something I'd always wanted to do. Um, and my boyfriend had gone out, the year before um so he was over there working on a on a farm um and so he was like oh do you want to come out and you know get a job and I'm not from a farm background never driven a tractor in my life and I was like yeah why not see what happens um so actually just before I flew out I went I called my best friend and I was like gonna need some tractor lessons can I come to the farm and you know can you give me some lessons um so yeah got literally just sat in a tractor in a field um in the UK just and just drove a couple of laps up and down he's like yep you're ready to go so (laughs) (laughs) flew over there and um just went up the east coast for a couple of weeks on my own um just like in a group like just a travel group just for two weeks before flying to western Australia and um going out for harvest so basically we were working on a 17,000 acre arable farm uh which was four hours north of Perth. Okay. So, um, yeah, like, literally, um, the farmer picked us up. Like, he was like, I was like, look, I'm... They knew that, that going in, they knew that I'd never driven a tractor. Um, well, albeit that, those two... Two times in the field, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all the experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was like, we actually prefer it when we get people in that don't necessarily always know what they're doing because he could then teach me the way that he wanted to yeah. and I wouldn't have any bad habits um so yeah it was like basically went in and just over there it was quite cool because there was it's not like small tiny fields like in the UK massive fields so at least there were no gateposts there are some stories I did make some mistakes don't get me wrong but that was later on in the season you know <laughs> but no I so basically the first um when I first went over there I was um went over for harvest and I was a chase bin driver um they had two headers um I think at the time then he had one 45 foot front and one 40 foot front um and I was on the chase bin so but that first year it was quite a quiet season mm-hmm. so um I had actually had quite a lot of free time so I read quite a lot of books listened to a lot of podcasts um yeah so good fun uh, it's just funny when I bring folk on, I've been to Australia. I've never had someone be like, oh, yeah, I was on this, you know, like, I don't know, 500 hectare farm. It's always 17,000. 17,000 actually sounds small. You know, <laughs> I know he's acres, but um, yeah, I brought someone on uh, in New Zealand once. My mum has this book that's actually from a cooking side. You'd probably like it uh, called What's for Smoko. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know it? Yeah, Philippa Cameron. Yeah. No, I know what Smoker is from um, being up in the uh, castle station in the Kimberley. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, that did. Yeah, exactly. So th- that's that's what it's about. It's about her time coming into this farming family and being the smoke maker. Uh, and uh, mum was like, do you think you could get her? And I was like, 
yeah, of course. So I got her on the podcast, and uh, she's like telling us about Omatata Station, and she's like, yeah, so we're forty thousand acres. Hey, sorry, sorry, forty thousand hectares, and we just um, and I'm like, sorry, what was that? And she's like, yeah, forty thousand hectares, and I'm like, do you know what that means? Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so everything's everything's bigger out in, in New Zealand, Australia, and the states. In fairness, but um, did you enjoy going from a couple of laps in a random field in the UK to a pretty major chaser win? Yeah, I really got into it. To be fair, and then um, so we we went back there um, because well, I guess just before that, so like after harvest, like went out to Southeast Asia for four months, and that's when COVID hit, um, and traveling around Southeast Asia were like oh you know like what COVID it's fine it's fine and I'd literally flown to um Sumatra and we we're about to do a five-day jungle trek and our flights basically my mum texted me just before I flew and she was like Amy you know the borders to Canada have just been shut and I was like oh it's fine like whatever and um anyway our flights we just got to Sumatra and checked our phones and we got wi-fi and our flights back to Australia had been cancelled and we had a seeding, like we were going back for seeding. And um, I was like, no, like we need to get out of here. We're going to get stuck. So we literally booked, um, so Chaddy and Haley, where we worked on the farm that we were going back there. And they said, guys, just come, like, come now. Like, we'll pick you up. So we put the next flight out there. And we literally got back into Australia a day before the borders shut. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, went back for seeding again and just basically ended up staying in working out there um so yeah like yeah that's scary that's scary the the whole border thing so many folk was impacted by this um yeah yeah, just a a, not an easy time did you get any time in southeast asia before you had to fly back yeah we had four four months so you did do the four months sorry yeah yeah yeah. um is sumatra the place where the the tsunami hit 2004 uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. No, I don't know. That could be wrong. Um, it just rings a bell for some reason. I can't think what else it would be for. Uh, so how long were you there once you got back to Australia? So oh. then, so we did harvest, and then no, sorry, we did seeding when we got back, and um, we were like, what do we do? Obviously, like we could go back to the UK or we could stay in Australia. And um, in WA, they were very strict on like they'd shut their borders even from like the Northern Territory and everything like that. So it was just as though it was one country as it were. Um, And so we were like, okay, let's, let's stay. Like, it seems like it's a better situation. Um, And then Dan, my boyfriend, he worked on a cattle station the year before. And so we just called them up and said, do you you have a job? Like for both of us, can we, can we go up there? And they were like, yeah, we'll, we're sorting out come up for after you finish seeding so um we basically we went up to the Kimberleys so um to the station which was six hours east of Broome um and this <laughs> so yeah we went there and again like I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for like so remote um and yeah I was the governess out there for looking after three kids and um, also helped on the yards with the small cattle because I was a bit afraid to start with because like never worked with cows. I was I am kind of sometimes still scared of cows. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you a bit. In fairness, yeah, yeah, I've got that. Great, yeah, great, great experience and um, so like so different, such different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that would be certainly a change to what you're used to. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you you 
clearly just jump into things. I love it. Just like, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll try that. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. So what brought you back to the UK? Yeah, so I guess, um, so after that, we went back. So I was like, oh, I want to, you know, get a job in the food industry again, kind of like give that a try. So we got a job um, on a winery down in Margaret River. Um, and because of COVID, they needed they just needed people to work. So we were quite lucky with a lot of these jobs. They were like, yeah, we need people. Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, and then it was like, okay, need to start looking at going, you know, like going back home because like visas and, you know, at, at some point we wanted to go back home. Um, so I was just starting to apply for schemes because at the time when I finished uni, I was like, oh, not really sure I want to do a grad scheme. I don't think it's going to work out like in terms of timings and because of the way applications when they open. But because we were like, everyone was in lockdown, everything was done over Zoom, everything was done over Teams, it meant it, I could apply for a grad scheme. So <laughs> I remember like applied for a few different ones and um, got offered, uh, well, first of all, for the application for the Slamworth Brothers, which is where I work now. Um, it was... I was working not at the winery and had to like finish work, join a team's call, like because it was obviously I was upside down back to front. And, yeah, and did my um basically did my um assessment center and everything all on teams while I was on the other side of the world. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably thinking they're like, does she know <laughs> this is a different place? <laughs> um, you're obviously successful. Headed back to join Samworth. Tell us about Samworth. What is it? Yeah, so Samworth Brothers is a food manufacturing company. You might recognise brands like Ginksters, um, Soreen. Um, we also do a lot of own labels. So we we make sandwiches and salads. We make um, sausages, cooked meats, hams, pates, um, savoury pastries. Yeah, so lots of different things. Oh, and ready meals, ready meals. How many times have you said that? Because that just list just came off perfectly. Like, say everything absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah, a few times. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, so you started to graduate in a graduate position. Uh, how? How did what, what was involved in that graduate position? Because we've had a lot of folk on that have done graduate roles um, and they differ in what's involved, it must be said. So, yeah, what was your graduate role like? Yeah, so the reason I was attracted to Samworth is because they did four six-month placements. So it was the opportunity to move around all of our different businesses, um, whether that be in Leicester, Melton, down in Cornwall, up in Manchester. And so... You, just to get that experience. So I was on the technical graduate program um, and I started off at uh, Deli and Sausage, which was the meat business. And I worked in food safety systems. So basically all the kind of food safety, all the like legal systems that you have, worked a lot on Brexit, a lot of the paperwork involved. Um, I then moved into process at one of our sandwich factories and um, process is basically you get um, chefs develop a recipe uh, with the customer. Again, it then gets passed to a new product development, which um, is all the innovation. And then once the recipe is agreed with the customer, it get, then gets handed over to process. And that's when you run those factory trials. So running sandwiches in the factory, scaling up from those kitchen concept ideas um, before it then launches. 
Um, so yeah, there I worked um, in sandwiches and also porridge. Um, and then I moved to Group, which was where I worked in raw materials again. So basically kind of cross, cross category, a lot of project work. Um, and then finally moved into a, um, my final placement was at our vegan factory, um, which is now no longer with us, but uh, yeah. So worked there as a QA team leader, so quality assurance. Um, and that's basically the day-to-day -day, like food safety, um, making sure um, operations like following the systems and kind of making sure, I don't know, uh, Dan sometimes calls me the food police. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure that everyone's like following standards, adhering to standards, making sure, yeah, food is legally compliant, basically. Um, and yeah, alongside the graduate scheme, we were undertaking, well, we undertook a management apprenticeship. So it's a level five operational departmental management apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, basically, so when we came off the scheme, if we wanted to, Um, so yeah, yeah, no, good. You, I think you froze for a second. You I maybe didn't respond Sorry. for a second. You froze. No, not at all. Um, that's brilliant. That sounds really good. That the um, I, I call them out all the time. The graduate scheme I did with Enterprise was shocking. Um, <laughs> it was just so bad. It was just so bad. They didn't care at all about you. You're just a cheap driver. Um, but yeah, there, there's some brilliant ones out there, and that sounds like them. Uh, so how long have you been there now, Amy? Is that two years? Yeah, so, um, well, basically since finishing the grad scheme, so the, um, the other good thing, I guess, with Sam, um, when we come off the graduate scheme, so I work now in our sandwich, one of our sandwich and salad businesses in Leicester, um, and I work in raw materials. Um, so, yeah, being with Sam with now two and two and a half, nearly two, two and, yeah. Two years and four months, maybe. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I, it's hard to remember the exact times. Like we, we, it's, in school, you always sort of knew things to the week, didn't you? But now it's a uh, because you don't have. I'm maybe a wee bit different because you don't have. An, I always feel like an academic calendar keeps you in timing. Without that, I wouldn't have a clue how long things had been. But obviously, I'm still in one of them. But uh, yeah, I take it you still enjoy that. It sounds like you're certainly from the WhatsApp group. It looks like you're proper into it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm practicing my uh, my video photography skills. Like going, yeah, I love it. I love being in in the factory, out the factory, um, just working with like variety of people. No day is literally the same. So, like, whether I'm on supply visits, like doing sign off meetings, um, like looking at new ingredient assessment forms, and just like we work with a variety of teams. So, like MPD process, technical, like, just yeah, it's every no day is the same and. Yeah, really enjoy it. Brilliant. Good. I love to hear that. I love to hear folk doing that because, yeah, why would you want to be working a job that you weren't? Um, which kind of moves you in, Amy, to, I guess, the reason you're here, the reason reason you and I came across each other. Uh, if you Google um, Nuffield 2024 Scholars, it is normally Amy or Saba that comes up, depending on if you use the first name or the second name alphabetically. Uh, so it's either Saba or it's Amy sitting there. Um at the top of the list and yeah it, it's probably i think i think i'm interested in everything 
that Nuffield scholars are creating because it's just all interesting stuff. So there's a reason there's a Nuffield scholarship. Um, but yours jumped out purely because of the term food security. I was like, oh, that's fun. I wonder what this is about. Uh, it was also what my master's was, and uh, I think we'd have probably had a chance to speak for longer if uh, we, I can't even remember what caused us to stop. I think there was a speaker came on, but um, yeah, we did speak about that for a wee bit. Uh, but yeah, why, before we even get into your topic, Amy, why Nuffield? How did that come about? Yeah, so when I was at Harper Adams, I was awarded a Clyde, Clyde Higgs Scholarship, um, which was funded by the Elizabeth Creek Charitable. That's um, one of Nuffield's partners. Yeah. Um, and basically every two years they do a food, farming and environment conference. Um, so long, I can't remember when it was now, but it was December a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went to the conference. And um, yeah, I was sat on a table with Wynne and Vicky Robinson um, and yeah, basically got talking to Vicky and she was telling me like where she'd been, what she'd done. And I was like, wow, like this sounds amazing. And you know, that kind of buzz and the enthusiasm of like listening to stories and discussing like the challenges that are going on in the industry. I was like, I want to be a part of this. And at first I didn't think maybe because working in food manufacturing and food, it, I had a very different background, I guess, compared to a lot of Nuffield scholars. So I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. And Vicky was like, well, no, go for it. Like you can, you can do this. Um, so yeah, I thought, why not? Like, why not now? Cause obviously you hear people like, I didn't, I really didn't think I'd get it straight away. So I was like, I'll apply this year and see what happens. And um, yeah, basically kind of how I came about hearing about Nuffield and starting that application process. When is great at getting folk involved? I mean, about a quarter of the people I've asked was like, yeah, mate, when? <laughs> yeah. Um, Tom and when are the ones that are jumping out as the most. Uh, yeah. And uh, put that application in. Why, why did you choose what you did? Yours is obviously quite open at the minute and probably you're at the stage of starting to think, well, let's try and go and focus in certain parts. But why did you go with what you did? Yeah, so my title is UK Food Security, a forward thinking approach to ensure resilient fresh produce supply chains. So how it came about was basically I was working in process at the time um, at the sandwich factory and there was a tomato shortage due to lorry strikes in Spain. And we had to redevelop a sandwich recipe because there was a shortage of tomatoes. And it's like you don't always see that other side, I guess. And then Again, this year um, in supermarkets, you know, like as consumers, there was the shortage of fresh produce yeah. that also impacts food manufacturers. And obviously these issues aren't going away with um, all the challenges facing the industry. And it's it's something that I feel like is really important. And that's why I kind of want to look at it and like more forward thinking, because day to day it's like, OK, so we need to ensure supply, you know, next week, like a month's time, whereas I want to look more into the future to be like, how are we going to make sure that in the UK we will be able to access fresh produce to ultimately make, you know, our sandwiches and our salads and so consumers can eat them. Well, it's a worry, isn't it? Because I mean, like, you know, Ukraine, Brexit, so many things, I've named two and for some reason can't think of any more, but so many COVID, so many things have changed so many different things and when you look at food in general like yes yeah, it before you consider even food prices you know 
yeah. impact. Like pork was a challenging one for a while, wasn't it? And yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 the most important thing in our world. We don't have any control over. Really... Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a really, and I think some people forget that sometimes. And yeah, it doesn't take long for people to start going a bit mental when they realise the 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 shelves are empty. I mean, I, I vividly remember being quite entertained actually which is maybe sad but when covid happened it was lockdown time it must have been it must have been just before lockdown because i was sat in tesco at their wee tesco restaurant with no one else there because they were too scared uh, and we didn't really consider what was happening to be quite honest uh, and i watched someone buy three tubs of like the it must be like 15 kilos of um like a uh, like clothes detergent I'm like, what about, why? <laughs> why is this? Like, and I, I really started to think. I was like, panic buying is serious. Like, people, yeah, and it's 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 quite worrying. So yeah, it's an interesting one. So how how do you think that's going to go? How do you think that topic's going to unfold? Well, I think now I was saying before we started, like I'm starting to write my questions, and it's like there's so so many angles I could go down, and yeah, it is a massive topic. And I think I think for me, like at the moment, I'm reading. Tim Lang's book um, on feeding Britain, our problems and how to yeah. solve them. Yeah. And yeah, like I'm just reading at the moment going, yep, yep. <laughs> and I think one key thing that I keep reading and it's just like from like researching as well, it's everyone's saying that we need to shorten the supply chain and kind of we need to, as the UK, like start thinking what can we do within the UK? Because with the issues like you were saying with like the war and um, you know covid and stuff it's just we can't i just feel like we can't keep going on thinking oh we're a rich nation we can buy what we want when we want because it's not a really good mindset to have and i don't think we should keep going like that so that's kind of what i want to look at is like what can we do ultimately in in the uk like what can we do more of i hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. And I take it to see what we can do in the UK. You're planning on heading elsewhere to see what's happening. Um, like part of Nuffield, where are you planning on heading? Yeah, so I think what I want to start with is to really understand what the challenges are now in the UK. Um, so my plan was to kind of follow the supply chain through. So I want to kind of focus mine on lettuce, tomatoes and cucumber, because ultimately they're one of our biggest raw materials that we need uh, to make sandwiches and salads. Um, so, yeah, really start with the UK, follow that through all the way from growers all the way up to retail and policy. Um, and just because I think... One thing I was saying, and I said it in the interview as well, like I'll speak to my farming friends and they'll say one thing. And then you speak to a retailer and like friends that work there and they'll say another. And I think just getting that opinion of key, like key stakeholders opinion. So like for me, it's understanding what the challenges are now um, in the UK, like now and in the future. And then understanding what the key stakeholder attitudes are towards this, like what's going on. Um, and then again, what the solutions and opportunities are. So yeah, once I understand kind of fully what's going on in the UK, kind of going away around the world and seeing like, what are they doing? Um, so I 
Yesterday I want to go. So um, Singapore, one, to look at um, vertical farming. I think that's quite interesting. Yep. Um, as well as like dedicated supply chain. So I've read that they've got, say, a vertical farm next to a food manufacturing site because that's then ensuring their supply. Um, another place I'd like to go is Japan, uh, just because Japan suffered from like food insecurity issues a few years ago and they've gone back to kind of growing what they can um so yeah that's a couple and then I've got quite a few on my list but obviously it's like money and <laughs> time yeah. but definitely as well going to Europe's so like the Netherlands um and Spain as well so obviously that's where we get a majority of our fresh produce from it's it's so surreal that you've named four countries and three of them I'm going to so where do you want to go well, Singapore, Japan, Japan, Singapore. Yeah. Oh, oh, nice. yeah, and Switzerland. Um, but yeah, that's weird. That's quite strange. 196 on the planet, and we choose basically the same ones. Um, that sounds amazing. Singapore is fascinating. Um, the reason I chose Singapore was they have um, National University of Singapore has a an agricultural department, and their 2030 goal is to be 30% self-sufficient but they're currently sitting at like 9% so they're looking to increase like 320% in seven years like it's insane um, and just if what both both of your Asian countries you've chosen uh, Southeast Asian I guess for, for Singapore are just so progressive in so many different forms yeah. um, that'll be interesting that'll be interesting looking forward to Brazil yeah I am I'm just like doesn't it feels like it's so far away, doesn't it? But realistically, now and I guess when the episode comes out, it's not going to be far. <laughs> yeah, well, Christmas will be over. This will come out on the eighth of January, and then it's two months, and we'll be going to Brazil. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> flies in. That's going to be literally, literally flies in. Um, that's going to be an amazing experience. It's going to be an amazing experience. Uh, I've actually booked to go to um a little holiday after Brazil. <laughs> oh, nice! Like from Brazil. Yeah, so going to go to Patagonia. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to do a little plug for someone here, Amy, right? A random little yeah. plug. I'm going to just quickly reach over my desk here, and no one else can see this because they're not seeing the video, but showing you said you're a reader, right? It seems like you read a lot of books. Um, I've never read a book in my life, embarrassingly, and uh, this, as you can see, is a book, and uh, this was someone we had on the podcast. It will not be released yet at the time of recording, but it's, it will be released at the time of this being released. Uh, with Kate Rawls, I think it will be very much up your street. Um, she cycled, it's called The Life Cycle, 8,000 Miles in the Andes by Bamboo Bike, right? So she just built her own bike out of bamboo. She made it herself. Um, she got a cargo ship out to nor uh, uh, the north of South America and just cycled the whole way down. <laughs> and as she was doing really? it, she was, yeah, she was stopping off, stopping off with various humanitarian sort of targets and whatnot, and helping local areas to, you know, not be impacted by the likes of like, uh, like commercialization and stuff like that. So that might be one that'd be interesting for you. And uh, Patagonia was a month or so, so uh, that would be gorgeous. Yeah, uh, just yourself. Yeah, that the plan. Uh, no, but that book would actually be interesting just because I have done. I do. We did adventure holidays, so two years ago we cycled from the Hook of Holland to Basel in Switzerland, so a thousand and six kilometers, not as long as that, but that's so cool. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you guys would love each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it was a really good episode. I'm a bit of a geography nerd more than anything. I was just really enjoying, um, yeah, just hearing her story. But I've got a feeling this might be the first book I ever read. There's just not enough photos. I just, you know, but yeah, <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to read it. It'll probably take me longer to read Kate's book than it will her to do the cycle. Uh, so yeah, um, but no, that'll be brilliant. That'll be really good. Are you doing the post CSC tour? Well, basically, we've got um, 25 sheep at home and uh, just, yeah, basically kind of planned it so that, you know, lambing would be a bit later. Anyway, I got, got the ram, um, when did we get him? End of November. And um, we were like, right, we need to, because basically Dan's going to fly out and meet me in Patagonia so we could just do a bit of a holiday um, before lambing. And uh, anyway, got the ram, had, had him separate in a separate field, you know, had, we thought it's all it's all working perfectly. The girls are in there, he's in there, it's all fine. Anyway, literally, as I was driving to the Nuffield conference, I got a call and it's like, ram's jumped the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where that was going. I mean, <laughs> so it just meant that basically um, kind of I was looking at potentially doing the post tour, but then just with timing wise and no, I'm not going to do that now. So just going to fly from um, after the conference down to um, Brazil. And then, so it means Dan can then go home for lambing and potentially I might stay out a week after, depending if I um, like arrange any meetings or whatever for Nuffield and then go back for lambing basically. Sounds amazing. Unfortunately, about the top. or, or <laughs> uh, Yeah, oh well. These things happen. These things happen. Well, exactly. Can't really complain, can you? That's it here. So long as he's working, that's what matters. Um, <laughs> uh, dear, good, Amy. It's, it's honestly, I absolutely love doing these interviews because you, you you meet someone that we've been in this group chat for how long now? I don't know, what, two months or something like that? Yeah. And uh, It's just people that don't mean anything to you. And then you meet them and then, yeah, it's like a proper little family we've got. I really like it. So, um, no, I look forward to seeing how your Nuffield goes. Hey, we'll obviously be sort of sharing as we go. I've got a feeling that that WhatsApp group chat might have a million photos in it by the time we're presenting. Um, yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. But yeah, uh, that's <laughs> just how it's going to happen. Um, thank you so much for your time. But before before we let you go, I know you have listened to a few of these, so you might actually know what questions coming next. I hate hate one of these questions i do tell i do ask it to everyone so i'm obviously not that nice a person but um the first question is where do you see yourself in five years and the second one is if you had any tips for people coming into farming what would they be oh i think um so where i see myself in five years i get asked this question a lot and i'm always like oh i don't know <laughs> we'll see what happens but no i'm i think i love i love working in the food industry and I guess ultimately I want to keep progressing. So where I see myself in five years, definitely still doing what I'm doing, maybe like raw materials manager, head of raw materials supply chain, see how ambitious I can be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically, I'm I'm really driven. I just want to keep learning, I guess, and just see what happens. I don't have that set. I want to get to this, but I just know if as long as I keep progressing and 
enjoy what I'm doing, then something's going right. <laughs> I think that's the best way to be. Funnily enough, I said to you that I, I finished that Christmassy special episode about uh, myself about 20 minutes before we started. And Ed asked me a very similar question and pretty much exactly what you've just said. I never said about being head of supply chain. That's not what I said. But, you know, just that sort of idea of just going forward and going in the right direction. That's, that's, that's the best way it can be. Um, yeah. And any folk uh, tips for people coming into the, the food sector? Yeah, I think, well, just especially coming from me, like never driven a tractor before. And then just, I think just put yourself out there, get experience and don't be afraid to make mistakes. So <laughs> some of the things I didn't say of what happened when I was in Australia, I managed to bog the cedar. So we had a bit, we're actually there, there was a cyclone um, that went through and um, managed, there was a lot of rain, as you can imagine. And um, yeah, managed to bog the cedar. And um, let's just say we had to try and dismantle every single aspect because it was the actual tractor the seed, the box, like, yeah, I had to buy a box of beer that day for the farmers. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. <laughs> also, like, turning a bit late, obviously, like, as you can imagine, like, massive machinery, turning a bit late, getting the seed stuck in a fence and the fence then following me down. <laughs> Sounds like the cedar and you didn't have the best relationship. <laughs> eh. <laughs> but no, basically, just, just put your, just, yeah, have fun and um, see what happens. I think, like, I never, I, if you asked me five years ago that, like, where would, you know, like, would you see yourself sort of thing, I'd never imagine doing something like that. But, no, like, it has really good and looking forward to seeing what happens, especially with the sheep as well, like, our 25 sheep, see what happens with them, expand that. We've got an allotment as well, so, you know, self-sufficient. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a brilliant way to be, absolutely brilliant way to be. Um dear if you're listening take amy's advice you never know say yes to something you might end up bogged in a field in australia yeah. <laughs> or running away from cows yeah, exactly that's it you never know what you're gonna go up against uh oh here it's been a pleasure um thank you for coming on um i hope hope you enjoyed it yourself yeah thank you it's been great oh good and time does sort of fly by it's already been the best part of best part of an hour it just disappears um yeah no thank you for coming on and for those of you listening that's been amy stoner i was trying to do the maths halfway through i think we've done 14 of the scholars now i think so we've got roughly 10 left um just trying to organize them now uh there's a a few sort of a sort of working days don't match up with mine if that makes sense um so yeah we're, we're just going to start work, work around that but we're well i'm sure um, and yeah, this will be coming out at the start of January. Um, welcome to series four of the R2 cast. Did I think this would happen at the start? I don't know, to be honest. Didn't really consider anything further than the next episode. Um, but yeah, two months from now, 16 episodes from now, I will be heading to London for a week and then Brazil for a week uh, with Amy along with uh, another batch of 20 folks. So um, yeah, hope you've enjoyed another episode of the R2 cast, which seems to be just the Nuffield cast at the minute, um, which is quite good fun. Uh, so Nuffield, if you're listening and you want to get involved, feel free to get in touch. Um, yeah, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, thank you for always listening and getting us to the fourth series. Looking forward to bringing you more content over this year. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in the next episode for number 166 with Cormac White, another part of that, or another person in that Nuffield cohort.
and we'll see you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have, and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector, and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far, and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. And I'll see you for the next episode.